Folklore. Reflections from a range of authors, journalists, civic leaders, historians and generally interesting people exploring the importance of the written word, the value of a library and their own inspirations and motivations. Based in RSE Connolly, the James Connolly Visitor Centre, Belfast. G.A.D. Vakarja Agus Falsha Arash Glor. You're very welcome back to this week's episode of Glor at Lowerland e Connolly. Our guest this week is a proud West Belfast woman, originally from the Lower Falls. Siobhan McCallan, trained to be a teacher and taught in Christ the Redeemer Primary School, but took ill a number of years ago and was forced into early retirement when she was diagnosed with ME, or chronic fatigue syndrome. As she battled this illness and came to terms with her new pathway in life, she discovered her voice through poetry. Here she tells her story. Hello, my name's Siobhan McCallan. Firstly, I'd like to say a huge thanks to the Connolly Centre for inviting me to participate in this episode of Glore. I'm very grateful and humbled to share with you how literature and writing have helped me to cope during personal struggle, hardship and dealing with disability. My family life, education and place of birth have been instrumental in shaping and defining me into the person I am today. I am a proud West Belfast native who from a young age was taught never to be ashamed of where I come from and who I am. I was born in August 1980 in the RVH. We were originally from the Grosvenor Road, Lower Falls area, and moved to the Mid Falls area of Aris Close around 1985. My parents still live there to this day. There were six of us children. I was number four, spoilt, cheeky, and bold as brass. Both my parents worked in the Royal. My ma Gail was a cleaner, and my dad Colm was a security guard and all six of us would eventually make it to university, which was quite odd for this time. West Belfast had been deemed one of the areas of greatest deprivation in Europe at this time. Like most families living down the road at this time, we got it tight, but my parents did their very best for us. Growing up in West Belfast in the 80s and 90s, I was acutely aware of the raging conflict all around me. British military installations dominated the landscape while soldiers patrolled the streets and even our school playground. From a young age, you witnessed the devastation the Troubles had on your family, friends, neighbours and wider community. Reflecting on our childhood, I think of Luke Kelly singing the rural times, raised in songs and stories, heroes of renown, and that was certainly befitting of our upbringing. The oral tradition of sharing tales was passed on from grandparents and parents and indeed most adults all around us. My grandparents would captivate us with tales recounting life in Belfast in the olden days. My granda Johnny Maguire would tell us about life as a drummer in the Kitty Ivory Band and how he entertained the masses in dance halls all around Ireland. He also gave vivid accounts of life during the Belfast Blitz and his role as an ARP warden horrifying us that the false swimmers was used as a morgue after the Luftwaffe bombed Belfast, attempting to wipe out the munitions factory Mackey's. He also told us what it was like to be an Irish Catholic in Harlington Wolf and how there was an atmosphere of rife sectarianism. And my granny Sarah was a proud Millie and would tell us of tales of life in the Belfast mills and what it was like to grow up in the Pound Loney. Our grandparents' parents would also reminisce about the horrors of the Troubles and what life was like for them growing up and the inequalities and injustices that they faced. All of these stories passed on by word of mouth no doubtedly shape your thinking. Our local environment was also saturated in print, graffiti and slogans on the walls 
as well as colourful and vivid murals. And no doubt they permeate your being and your psyche also. My entire education was on the Falls Road. I attended St Catherine's Primary School, St Dominic's and then St Mary's Teacher Training College. It was in St Catherine's that I would catch the love of learning. A place of refuge, safety, love and nurturing. The magical world of Roald Dahl would bring to life characters such as Charlie Bucket and Matilda Wormwood. Youngsters experiencing hardship, appearing wretched beings, but shone a light of hope and taught us as youngsters also that we could also overcome hardship, struggle and poverty. We would also go to the Falls Library once a week, often having to pass patrols or security alerts, but the library inside was always a place of calm, serenity and peace against the backdrop of a world outside and all its horrors. Many books also stand out from my time in St Dominic's To Kill a Mockingbird, Jane Eyre, The Scarlet Letter, Hard Times, A Midsummer's Night Dream. But poetry also began to speak to me. And I would love The Road Not Taken, Midterm Break, Raglan Road, The Stolen Child. But by far the most important poem in my life is by Maya Angelou and Still I Rise. I studied African-American literature during my A-level English course. And after I returned from having my first child as a young 17-year-old, my teacher gave me that poem and it stood by me in very dark days indeed. Books like The Bluest Eye, Beloved, I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings and I Am Not Your Negro evoked a strong sense of social conscience and understanding of oppression and provoked in me a strong opposition to racism and bigotry of any kind. My formative years also coincided with the peace process Belfast was emerging from a time of conflict to a time of peace and I was very fortunate to attend political events with Mo Molum and indeed managed to get a ticket to the peace concert with Bono when he marched out onto the stage with John Hume and David Trimble. I was absolutely delighted to get into study history at St Mary's. I loved all areas of history but particularly that of my own country. I did my dissertation on the rise of Sinn Féin in the 1918 election. I also read many books such as um, Ten Men Dead, Writings from Prison by Bobby Sands and Uwe Dawn. And Brian Feeney was an amazing master. And I felt that he just gave you, you know, a wider outlook, a broader perspective and told you to read all around curricular areas. And that stood by me, reading across a broad length of history, deepens your knowledge and deepens your understanding. I was very fortunate to get a permanent job whenever I first graduated in Christ the Redeemer Primary School in Lagmore, where I would spend the duration of my teaching career. I saw it as a great honour to be teaching in my own community. I understood the issues and the demograph I was dealing with. And my principal, Sinead Beer, was also a lady from Beechmount who had taught in St Catharines. She had great empathy and understanding for the children and the pupils and the parents and understood that intergenerational pain and trauma that was still seeping through from the troubles. She created an ethos that every child was talented, every child was valued and every child would succeed. So I took my responsibilities very seriously and in all aspects of my teaching, tried to cultivate a love of learning as well as fostering an indestructible attitude of self-belief. My career was plagued with serious health issues. I spent hundreds of nights in hospital and endured many, many surgeries. I've no doubt that being from West Belfast gave me that inner strength to survive and get off my knees. 
In 2016, I took a kidney infection that led to sepsis and subsequently I was diagnosed with ME. ME is a cruel and debilitating disease affecting all bodily functions and is a severely disabling disease and complex to deal with. I would end up having to retire at the age of 36 and it was absolutely devastating. This was not just the first dance with death. I had previously been in ICU. I'd had rare blood clots. I'd had pneumonia, MRSA, C. diff. I had kidneys removed, hysterectomy, C-section. So I'd faced many traumas and this was the sort of final nail in the coffin of my career. And I was devastated. I couldn't be the wife I wanted to be. I couldn't be the mother I wanted to be. And I slowly withdrew from society, not through choice, but through the illness dictating to me. I would go through prolonged periods in the bed without being able to look after myself or do anything at all. And the longest period within the past four years has been eight and a half months. And you have to find a way out of it. You have to find a way to cope. And I had to go back and teach myself, just like you would with a primary one or a primary two child, how I coped on all the previous experiences. And I thought of books like Chicken Soup for the Soul, The Alchemist, Awaken the Giant Within, inspirational and motivational books. But of course, with ME, the debilitating fatigue also means that you find basic tasks such as reading very, very difficult. So it was a dark time and I was in bed for a lot of it. And I just felt I was, I felt like giving up, to be honest with you. I felt like I had reached the end of the tether. My friends and family would slag if I was a cat, I'd be called lucky. And of course, I feel like I'm on my eighth life. So my sister happened to phone me one day and say that she um, had changed her career from being an English teacher to working in social prescribing and had noticed massive change in people with chronic illness through creative writing. And my own GP had also been encouraging me for a long time to write And I just felt I had nothing to say. I felt, who wants to hear from me? But eventually I would go through tormenting times in hospital and everything came to a head in 2019. And I feel like I was eventually ready to heal, not get better. There is no cure for for what's wrong with me, but I was ready to try to find a way to cope. So my daddy had been advising me about a man called Eckhart Tolle, the power of now, Deepak Chopra, mindfulness. And so I started to try and flip that switch to change my energy, to find that girl that had fought through all the hundreds of nights before and to find that positive drive. And it slowly and surely started to surface. And I found that through the medium of poetry, I found great healing. I found myself again. I try to recall very happy memories and would become an avatar. I'd go to places in my mind because I couldn't physically go there in my body. The Black Mountain, Bonamarki Ferrari, Ballycastle Beach, Ballycastle Forest. I'd feel good as I went to those places in my mind instead of thinking of negative thoughts. I'd doodle, mind map, just write down positive affirmations. I'd saturate myself listening to podcasts by life coaches and people who are sort of promoting positive well-being and positive thinking. And so that's when the writing really took off for me. 
The message I'm trying to convey is one of well-being and also links to the beauty of history of this beautiful island that we call home. And due to my illness and prolonged periods of bedridden, I, I, I suffered mentally. My ego was telling me I was worthless and I was a terrible mother, a terrible of wife, a terrible um, sister. I, I just couldn't do the things that I wanted to do. So I had to claw my way, way back and not allow my ego to trick me or fool me. I soon realised the power of the written word. It evoked in me powerful messages and imagery that created circumstances for empathy and understanding. It can crystallise clarity of expression that can be formative to anyone. I began to bring a notebook everywhere I was going and would just doodle and write. And before long, I found myself feeling more and more good about what I was writing. And nature, of course, provides a restorative place to which we can escape the chaos in our own mind or the world around us. And I realised I could escape through poetry to a place that raised me up and lifted my spirit. A place where poetry could convey a message of hope, even though I was feeling very down and very dark in my mind, I had to shift that way of thinking. And I found a new sense of self through writing this poetry and through introspection, I rediscovered my own inner strength and everything that had got me through my previous health battles and personal struggles and to face my trauma. In terms of my writing, I feel that it stems not from a place of trying to deliver work that merits critique, that looks for technique, but from my own personal compulsion to feel the catharsis and healing it provides for me and hopefully those who read it. As I started to share it with my family and friends, they felt they could access its honesty and encouraged me to share it with a wider audience, which I did. And I've been really overwhelmed by the response of people and how they've messaged me to say that they've found value and comfort and an affinity with my words. So it's not something everybody needs to be a perfectionist, a perfectionist at. It's not something that I'm... I, I'm no longer worried about grammar and spelling. I'm a disabled woman. I've accepted it. And accepting my illness has led to me being able to transcend the illness. I'm never going to get better, but I can find a way of being happier and facing each day with a smile and finding joy in just the small things, just being alive, placing gratitude at the centre of your life and being grateful to have family, to have a roof over your head and to be alive. So I hope you've enjoyed this and I hope you've benefited from it. And I'm just going to share two of my poems with you before I go. Dip your scars in iron. Dip your scars in iron. Illuminate, let them brightly shine. Like the exposing of your soul in the most holiest of shrine. God only sends the most difficult battles to those capable of winning the war. The scars are proof of strength and endurance to survive war forevermore. As darkness slyly creeps in and silence is all that you can hear, remember I am there with you and the angels they are near. The battles you have fought mapped out with scars on skin, they prove that the next battle to fight is a war that you can win. So dip your scars in iron, be ready to face the test, dig deep, head up, standing tall, I'm proud I'm from the West. The Butterfly The path to enlightenment requires evolution and constant change. Suffering is key. 
the old self, one must rearrange. Just like the caterpillar upon entering the cocoon, dissolving, fearing it would die, adversity is required as you lay in isolation, feeling despair and silently cry. But as you dissolve, you will transcend all of what has been, a new state of consciousness directed by hidden intelligence unseen. Accept and acknowledge that much of the old needs to die. It is through this internal metamorphosis that we emerge as brilliant, beautiful butterfly.